0: You're listening to a sermon from the Langley Canadian Reformed Church. We hope you'll find it to be spiritually edifying. Our first reading this morning is from the Old Testament, 1 Kings chapter 11, verses 1 through 13. King Solomon, however, loved many foreign women besides Pharaoh's daughter, Moabites, Ammonites, Edomites, Sidonians, and Hittites. They were from nations about which the Lord had told the Israelites, you must not intermarry with them, because they will surely turn your hearts after their gods. Nevertheless, Solomon held fast to them in love. He had 700 wives of royal birth and 300 concubines, and his wives led him astray. As Solomon grew old, His wives turned his heart after other gods, and his heart was not fully devoted to the Lord his God, as the heart of David his father had been. He followed Ashtoreth, the goddess of the Sidonians, and Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. So Solomon did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He did not follow the Lord completely, as David his father had done. On a hill east of Jerusalem, Solomon built a high place for Chemosh, the detestable god of Moab, and for Molech, the detestable god of the Ammonites. He did the same for all his foreign wives who burned incense and offered sacrifices to their gods. The Lord became angry with Solomon because his heart had turned away from the Lord, the God of Israel, who had appeared to him twice. Although he had forbidden Solomon to follow other gods, Solomon did not keep the Lord's command. So the Lord said to Solomon, since this is your attitude and you have not kept my covenant and my decrees, which I commanded you, I will most certainly tear the kingdom away from you and give it to one of your subordinates. Nevertheless, for the sake of David, your father, I will not do it during your lifetime. I will tear it out of the hand of your son. Yet I will not tear the whole kingdom from him, but will give him one tribe for the sake of David, my servant, and for the sake of Jerusalem, which I have chosen. Now turn to Psalm 37, verses 23 through 40. If the Lord delights in a man's way, he makes his steps firm. Though he stumble, he will not fall, for the Lord upholds him with his hand. I was young, and now I am old, yet I have never seen the righteous forsaken or their children begging bread. They are always generous and lend freely. Their children will be blessed. Turn from evil and do good. Then you will dwell in the land forever. For the Lord loves the just and will not forsake his faithful ones. They will be protected forever. But the offspring of the wicked will be cut off. The righteous will inherit the land and dwell in it forever. The mouth of the righteous man utters wisdom and his tongue speaks what is just. The law of God is in his heart. His feet do not slip. The wicked lie in wait for the righteous, seeking their very lives. But the Lord will not leave them in their power or let them be condemned when brought to trial. Wait for the Lord and keep his way. He will exalt you to inherit the land. When the wicked are cut off, you will see it. I've seen a wicked and ruthless ruthless man flourishing like a green tree in its native soil, but he soon passed away and was no more. Though I looked for him, he could not be found. Consider the blameless. Observe the upright. There is a future for the man of peace, but all sinners will be destroyed. The future of the wicked will be cut off. The salvation of the righteous comes from the Lord. He is their stronghold in times of trouble. The Lord helps them and delivers them. He delivers them from the wicked and saves them because they take refuge in him. Our text this morning comes from letter of Paul to Titus, chapter 2, verse 2. These are the instructions that Paul is giving to Titus when he says in verse 1, you must teach what is in accord with sound doctrine. The first thing that he has to teach then is given us in verse 2, teach the older men to be temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. Beloved congregation of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, it goes without saying that we need men in the church. It goes without saying that we need men in the church, but yet I've said it now twice, and I'll say it again. We need men in the church. And we can be very thankful that in our church we have many men, many godly men. And the men who are in church in the church of our Lord Jesus Christ, are needed. And not only do we need men in the church, but we need older men in the church. Two examples of this need, one within the congregation and one outside. We need older men in the church. We've noticed this recently, sort of from a, a place we didn't expect it, and that's with respect to the, the Stephen Mentor Program. This initiative really began because of the concerns of some women in the church. And it was the thought from the very beginning that having people trained and available for one-to-one caring relationships that, that the, the mentoring program is about might be especially helpful for the women in the church. And we weren't wrong about that, but we weren't entirely right either. Because not only has this been helpful for women in different situations, but we've been surprised at how well-received the mentoring has been for men. A mentoring... Doesn't exactly require a man to be older in the sense that Paul's talking about here, but it certainly does make sense that mentoring would begin with the older men making and growing relationships with younger men. Older men are needed in the church in one specific area, and that's for the sake of the younger men. So that's within the church. The other example comes outside the church. If you think about the current state of marriage and families outside the church, then you can see that godly older men are needed. Needed now and only needed more as our society continues on. Divorce in marriage and broken families in our society are now more the rule than the exception. They're more the rule than the exception. It's more likely that someone is divorced and that a family has been broken in some way by that divorce than that it's not like that. And while there are many results of this situation, one is that in many homes, young men are growing up without a dad around. Fathers are missing in action. Men increasingly it seems are shirking their responsibilities with their wives and with their children. And so young men are looking for help. Young men are looking for leadership. Young men are looking for guidance. Young men are looking for people that they can look up to to see what a man looks like. A man with character, a man with integrity. They want men with genuine character to show them How to be a man. And so older men are needed in the church for the sake of the church and for the sake of those outside the church. Our Lord Jesus Christ calls older men to serve Him in the church. Yes, older men we know are needed in the church because our Lord Jesus Christ says to all the older men, you're mine. I'm bringing you into my church. I'm going to put you to work. And the Apostle Paul, as he writes to Timothy, he lays down the priority for older men in the church. That's our theme this morning, the priority for older men in the church. And the, the, the points will simply be the words that are given us in our text, temperate, worthy of respect, self-controlled, and sound in faith, love, and endurance. Now, one minor point, but if you are wavering at the moment and you're not sure which category you're supposed to put yourself in, young men or older men, perhaps this is not a minor point for you. Who are the older men? Who are the older men in the church? Well, Paul doesn't say. He doesn't give us sort of age criteria that we can use. He called Timothy at one point a young man. And from what we can tell, Timothy was probably... Around 40 in his 40s. So an older man would have to be a little bit older than that. The best that I could come up with, the best that I could find in, in the commentaries, the best sort of rule of thumb would be perhaps that if you, your children have children, then you're probably an older man. If your children have children or you're of the age of other men whose children have children, then you're probably in the category of the older men. So if you are in that category, then listen up. And if you're not as a young man, then also listen up, because this is where you're headed. And if you're neither an older man nor a younger man, but you know one, then listen up. Because it's your job to hold them accountable. The first priority for older men is the priority of temperance. Temperance. Bit of an older word, not a word that we use very often. Temperance. Now what is temperance? If you, if you know anything about the temperance movement, perhaps this is the other criteria. If you were alive during the temperance movement, then you definitely are an older man, man. The temperance movement that swept across the U.S. in the early 1900s, was a movement that called for moderation or even abstinence with the use of alcohol. So temperance, strictly, is about moderation or even abstinence with the use of alcohol. But temperance goes beyond only alcohol or other substances. Paul here is most likely speaking about a certain temperance, a certain balance, a certain sobriety of lifestyle. So with the temperance movement, people were being taught or is being advocated that we needed to show a lot of moderation or use of alcohol, but temperance broadly is about moderation in all aspects of life, about restraining your, especially your physical desires in every area of your life. Older men should avoid excess in all areas of their lives and keep physical desires under control. That's what it means to be temperate, temperate. Now, the intriguing question that this, this section raises, in fact, all of these sections with the different groups, is why? Why this particular command? Paul only has one sentence devoted to the older men, only has several words devoted to older men. So temperate must be important. Why is it so important? Why would Paul need to point at the priority of a moderate and a sober Lifestyle. Well, it must be that there is a temptation for older men to not be temperate, moderate, and sober in their lives, in all aspects of their lives. Men either weren't showing that in Crete, or it was very tempting for them to not show those characteristics. Now, one reason that older men can give themselves over to excess and indulgence in their later years, that would be the opposite of being temperate, giving yourself over to excess and indulgence, is that you buy into the mentality that nothing really matters anymore. You've been there, done that, you've seen it all, nobody cares about you anyways, and so nothing really matters. You don't really matter anymore. Your best years are behind you, Your worst years are ahead. Growing old gives new meaning to the words that Paul quotes to the Corinthians. Eat, drink, and be merry, for tomorrow we die. The older a man becomes, the more those words can sound attractive and true for him. That's one side. Man feels like nothing matters. He becomes a functional nihilist. Nothing matters. He certainly doesn't matter anymore. The other reason that a man can, might give himself over to excess and indulgence is sort of the opposite of, of saying nothing matters, but saying, well, I do matter. In fact, I deserve this kind of lifestyle. It's entitlement. I've earned it. I've lived my whole life you know, following rules and people tell me what to do and, and being good and following them. But now I'm old. I can do what I want. I've earned it through all the years that I've been around. Lavish living, buying whatever the heart desires, spending on the pleasures and enjoyments of the body with fancy vacations, upgrades to the homes, expensive food and drink. I've earned it. I've lived those years of want. I know what it's like, but I don't have to experience that anymore. Now it's time to enjoy myself. Eat, drink, and be merry. I've earned it. Neither of those attitudes are fitting for older men, the Apostle Paul says. Older men are to be temperate. Neither of those attitudes are fitting for the older man who lives for Jesus Christ. Living from what Jesus Christ has done for you. And for what Jesus Christ has in store for you. Teaches you that you do matter. You do matter. It's not that nothing matters. No, Jesus Christ is in charge. Everything in this world matters because he's Lord and King. So you can't buy into the thinking that nothing matters. But at the same time, you can't get into the thinking that I'm entitled to do whatever I want. No, you're still a servant of Jesus Christ. He had a purpose for you then. He has a purpose for you now, and he will continue to have a purpose for you until he calls you home. And so for older men who are servants of the Lord Jesus Christ, who know what he's done, who are living in light of, of what he's doing, the way to live is moderately and modestly. Older men, be temperate. Older men are also to be worthy of respect. Now note that Paul doesn't say that the older men should go around uh, asserting their worthiness of respect and demanding that others respect them. That's not the way that our Lord Jesus Christ calls anyone who's worthy of respect to behave. Husbands aren't called to do that in their marriage. He doesn't say, husbands, exert your headship, make sure your wives respect you. No, he says, love your wives Neither are elders called to do this in their leadership. He doesn't say, exert your leadership, exert your authority. He says, no, walk according, show good character. So neither are the older men to enforce this respect on others. But on the flip side, it doesn't mean that, that the younger men or those who are young are not to show respect to those who are older. We most certainly are. The book of Proverbs twice mentions the honor That comes with the graying of your head. Leviticus 19 verse 32 says this. Rise in the presence of the aged. Show respect to the elderly and revere your God. I am the Lord. Those who are older are worthy of our respect. They're worthy of respect in general. They've already traveled the path of life. They've gained wisdom and insight. They, they have a valuable contribution to make to God's kingdom. And they've proven that not over the span of a few years, but over the span of many decades. So going back to what we said before, older men, you're not worthless. You are worthy of respect, but neither Are you to feel entitled as though you should assert that worthiness at every opportunity? So what it comes down to for older men, then is this. Be who you are. Be who you are. Remember who the Lord Jesus Christ has called you to be in his kingdom. He's called you to be a man of honor and dignity, a man of grace and kindness, a man of character and integrity. As an older man, you have a weighty and a worthy place in the church of Jesus Christ. You do. The Bible commands that we recognize that. And so don't ever forget that. And don't stop living up to that high calling that Jesus Christ has given you in the world. Everyone in the church, and in fact everyone outside the church, is looking for people to respect to esteem, and to look up to. We're looking for older men who are worthy of respect. And so by the grace of God, be just the man that we are looking for. And so, men, the older men, are to be worthy of respect. Older brothers in the church are also called to be self-controlled. Self-controlled. Now, we've already come across this, this characteristic with the elders. They, too, were to be self-controlled. And when we saw it with them, we noticed that it has to do with the mind. It has to do with a certain control of the mind. Uh, the word is translated in other contexts as, context as being sober-minded or being sensible. So, if being temperate was about controlling your, your physical desires, then being self-controlled here is about controlling your mind, your thoughts, your judgments. It's about controlling the patterns of the mind. As Paul is laying these things out here, he's, he's falling back on the wisdom literature that's given in the Old Testament. The wisdom that's given in books, the books like Proverbs, for example. Or that we read about in Psalm 37. Or even that Solomon himself had written. The wisdom literature. And this wisdom literature, we read about it in Psalm 37. It views life as a choice between two paths. Two directions that we can walk in. The path of wisdom and the path of folly. Now, these paths, they head in opposite directions of one another. One heads towards life and joy, while the other heads towards self-destruction and hardship. As a man who becomes more advanced in his years, you will have spent time on either one or the other of those paths. Life is a journey on a path. And as you journey, you walk further and further along that path. And so the older you get, the longer you spend on that path. And that's why you see these older men who, who show such, such self-control with respect to their thinking and their judgments and their thoughts. They are wise. They've walked that path of wisdom and they've disciplined their minds to be judicious, to be fair, to be careful in their reasoning. To, to align their thoughts with the word of God as they've walked that path. On the flip side, conversely, this is also why not every man that is old is wise, because it's possible to walk down a different path in your life. You can see the complete absence of those Qualities of being judicious and fair and careful in your reasoning of of aligning your thoughts with the word of God in some older men. Isn't that why we speak of, for example, an old fool? Because we've seen people like this who have not trained their minds according to the word of God. If you choose to walk on the path of fools. Then as you grow older, you will walk further further and further along that path and so as an older man we need to be asking ourselves how do we judge that how do we know which path we're walking on well there's two ways first test what comes out of your mouth and your actions in titus chapter 1 verse 1 we learn that that the knowledge of jesus christ leads to godliness and so you can test what's going on in your mind by seeing what's coming out of the fruit of your hands and your lips. If you're if you're quick-tongued and you're quick-tempered, then there's a good chance that you're not practicing careful, judicious thinking and decision-making. And if your actions do not align with the Word of God, then you can also be sure that you have not been walking the path of wisdom. And so what hope is there for the old man who has been walking along this path of folly during his life? Well, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And it's never too late to turn and to walk on the path of wisdom. And so, brothers, consider The state of your lives. Consider the fruit that you are bearing in your old age. Are you vigorous and green like Psalm 92 says? Are you confessing the Lord in your old age? Are you, are you in control of your thoughts and your, your mind? Are you sensible? Are you careful? Are you judicious in your thinking? Are you quick to jump to a judgment? Take stock of your lives. Better yet, ask those who know you and love you. Part of walking on the path of wisdom is being teachable, being able to recognize our faults. Ask those who know you and love you, whether you are revealing these traits in your life, whether you are sober-minded and sensible. And take their answers to heart. Begin to exercise wisdom. Take their answers and weigh them judiciously. And begin to exercise sound thinking. If we seek wisdom, brothers, then we must go to the source of wisdom himself, our Lord Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ himself is wisdom from God. If we humbly come to him, if we recognize weakness, perhaps with this quality or perhaps with other qualities that we uh, have been speaking about or will speaking about, if we come to our Lord Jesus Christ and we recognize our weakness and we repent from them, whether we're 60 or 70 or 80 or 90, won't the good shepherd himself hear us and teach us wisdom? If we earnestly desire wisdom, if we earnestly desire to be the older men that our Lord Jesus Christ wants us to be, won't he help us? Won't he change us? Won't he teach us? It's not true, brothers, that you can't teach an old dog new tricks. Our Lord Jesus Christ calls older men, and in doing so, he reveals to us that he is determined to use older men And if necessary, to change older men, to be the men that he calls them to be. And so we come to our last point, the priority of being sound in faith, in love, and in endurance. The final priority for older men who follow the Lord Jesus Christ is soundness. That's the same word that we saw in chapter 2, verse 1. Teach what's in accord with sound doctrine. The word for soundness, it, it has this, this, this resonance of, of health and healthiness. It's the word that, that's used to speak about health in other places. It recalls to mind those beautiful words of Psalm 92, which we sang. The righteous will flourish like a palm tree. They will grow like a cedar of Lebanon planted in the house of the Lord. They will flourish in the courts of our God. They will still bear fruit in old age. They will stay fresh and green, proclaiming, the Lord is upright, he is my rock, and there is no wickedness in him. The health that Psalm 92 is speaking about is not physical health. Your physical health may fail, and that happens as you grow older. But your spiritual health, the health of your faith and your love and your endurance can grow ever stronger if you commit yourself to. To Jesus Christ. The beautiful proverb comes to mind. The path of the righteous is like the first gleam of dawn. Shining ever brighter. Until. The noonday sun. That's the path of the righteous. That's the path of those who seek after the Lord Jesus Christ. Shining ever brighter in faith and love and an endurance. And so you probably recognize this trio, faith, love, endurance. It comes up in 1 Corinthians 13. Faith, love, and hope. But here the Apostle Paul has changed hope to endurance, which we'll touch on because it's fitting. The first priority for the health of older men, the health that really matters, is his faith. Paul doesn't mention it explicitly, but of course he's talking about faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. As a man grows older, he has to deal with many things. The Lord Jesus does not teach that growing older is easy. But he does say that as we grow older, we are still called to grow. As a man grows older, he has to deal with a lot of things. He has to deal with his own past, the mistakes that he's made in the the past, and the perhaps disastrous consequences that he can may still today be dealing with an older man has to deal with the future of his children and grandchildren he might be worried about the world that they're growing up in he might even be worried about the legacy that he has left for them an older man men as they grow older they have to deal with the reality of death over and over and over again as those around you are called to the lord as there comes a point when you're attending more funerals and you are weddings. Older man has to deal with the frailty of those around him, particularly of those he loves. Older men have to deal with the frailty of their wives, of their friends, perhaps even sometimes of their children. An older man has to deal with the decline of his own body, the decline of his own strength and health and abilities. The very things also that may have once defined him as a man, his, his masculinity, his manness, his physical strength, or his career, his job, his position of of esteem in the church or community. All those things can fail and fade as a man grows older. And as this happens, brothers, there are basically two reactions that you can have. One, you can continue to hold on to the past, hold on to those things that you have lost, hold on to how terrible life is now, and be consumed by grief over what you no longer have. The other reaction is that you consider any human pride that you once had rubbish. You consider it rubbish. I once took pride in those things, but now I realize that they're not important. And you cling to the righteousness of Jesus Christ, the thing that is truly valuable and important. In life. In this case, as you decline, as you see all these things fade away, it only serves to exercise and strengthen your faith in your Savior, Jesus Christ. As you cling to Him in faith. Be healthy in faith. Also, Paul says, be healthy in love. In love, in the deeds of love, the deeds that come from that knowledge. Remember the fertilizer spreader, the knowledge coming in the top, the deeds, the good deeds coming out. Those good deeds coming out are love. The love of an old man must continue to be sound, to be healthy. It's a love that remains grounded in the knowledge of the truth in Jesus Christ, and that's directed toward God. Healthy love is grounded in Jesus Christ and is directed toward God. Now, many explainers of this passage about this love, they mention the two extremes that must be avoided by older men. The first extreme is sentimental love. As a man grows older, you see this sometimes, he grows softer. The way that he dealt with his children is a lot different. You may have noticed in the way that he deals with his grandchildren or perhaps even great grandchildren, a man can get softer and and sometimes that can be a beautiful thing. it can be a joy to behold, but it can also continue it can also descend into a, a, a squishy, super soft, sentimental kind of love, sort of imitation love that's not really love at all. It, it's accepting of everything and every one it, it doesn't hold to the truth of Jesus Christ anymore. It's just a, a soft, squishy kind of love. Not the sort of love that the Bible teaches us. Love that's grounded in Jesus Christ. On the other side, as a man ages, it's possible for him to become harder, to become colder, to become less expressive of his love. As the painful realities of age set in, Love can become uncoupled from faith in Jesus Christ and the well of love can run dry. It seems as if there's no more love to give. So love must remain rooted in Jesus Christ. And when it does, then it only becomes stronger and clearer and more urgent with each passing day of your life. As your faith in Jesus Christ grows through the experiences of your life then so will your love as it's rooted in him and as the day of Jesus Christ draws ever closer. The final quality that old men, older men, are to remain strong in through the ministry of the gospel is endurance, patient, hope-filled endurance. Older brothers, the race is not yet over. The race is not yet over. There is still more track to run. We read of Solomon. We read of Solomon, and it seems that he considered that he had run his race. And as he grew old, he gave over to false worship. He didn't realize that there was more track to run on this race. Solomon has given us in the word of God as an example to all older men to have endurance. The race is not over yet. You fought the good fight of the faith for a long time, but there is yet more for you to do in God's kingdom. Yes, Jesus Christ has called you into his church even now as an older man, because these are your productive years. These are the years of being fresh and green of bearing fruit in your old age being healthy and endurance as you take that last turn toward the home stretch as a runner is running the long distance race as he nears that finish line he doesn't give up that finish line doesn't cause him to say oh i'm done only have one kilometer to go no the knowledge that that finish line is drawing closer gives him him strength gives him endurance urges him on as he sees the goal before him. He renews his strength and he focuses his thoughts and his actions upon the task at hand. In our time, the temptation for older men is to sail off on the all-inclusive cruise of retirement, away from the responsibilities of home and toward a time an extended time of self-enjoyment and fulfillment, leaving behind all the responsibilities of home, of church, of community. The other temptation for older men is to crawl into a shell of self-pity. Woe is me. I'm useless. I'm worthless. I don't believe that I matter anymore. And in fact, nothing really matters anymore. But older brothers, the Lord Jesus Christ has a different program for you. He's not done with you in his church. He lays down the priorities for you in the church because older brothers, you yourselves are a priority for him. He has called you to be the older man of the church and to exercise your task here for him. And so endure. Hold on, persevere to the end. And then, brothers, then your reward will be great. Our Lord Jesus Christ calls you to be temperate, to be worthy of respect, to be self-controlled and to be sound in faith, in love and in endurance. He's not done with you yet. His church still needs you. Amen.